Hey, baby. Hey. Naomi and Andy here with yep. a quick cue slash request. Yes. So, okay, Acast is doing these audience surveys, okay? We put the link in the show notes. The link is going to be in the link tree on our on Instagram and everything like that. Here's the thing, Naomi. Yeah. You know, we're already pretty choosy about the ads right. that we allow on the show. No weapons manufacturers. Raytheon, get out of here. Yeah. Screw off, Raytheon. But we want to make sure that the ads are kind of tailored to y'all. Right. Okay? Right? Say you want to hear ads for a different world DVD box sets. We need to know that. We, we need can to go out that. to them. We can get the word <laughs> out. But we only can get the word out if you give us the word. So you got to fill out the survey. It is quick, quick, quick. And it just lets us know if the ads you're hearing are the right ads for you. Yeah. So get on over to the show notes where that link is or the Couples Therapy link tree and fill out that quick survey so we can pass the word on to ACAST. All right. Roll it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Folks, open your hearts. Loosen your butts. It's time for couples therapy. I thought we would do it together. Well, the, the, the thing at the end. I thought you were going to do it's time for couples therapy. Let's do open your hearts and do not edit any of this out together. Okay, okay. so folks, open your hearts. Loosen your butts. It's, it's time, time for, for couples, couples therapy. therapy. Yeah. This podcast is Andy and Naomi's, where they can both laugh and hang with all their homies, talking excellent vacationing with brunches and cuddling, to messy situations, shits and conscious and coupling, from Netflix hookups to single them with some Hulu, text sex, regrets, or feeling on your new jubu. They gon' talk about it, ah, yeah, you are invited, ah, needing therapy, I guarantee, baby, we got it. It's Hello, everyone, and welcome to Couples Therapy. My name is Naomi. My name is Andy. And we're a real-life couple. <laughs> a real-life couple of comedians doing ASMR. <laughs> you doing ASMR. <laughs> and on Couples Therapy, we answer a couple of different questions from a couple of different listeners. Y'all, Andy is rubbing his little eyes, which he do when he is simply, we ain't when he can't even. We ain't all there. We ain't all there. I did not sleep last night. <laughs> At the time you will be listening to this, we will. Be wed. We will be man and woman. Is we, that how it's called? Husband and wife? What I was it? actually going to say uh, woman and husband. Woman and husband. We'll be woman and husband at it's, the time of your listening. It's so funny how all this stuff is so like traditionally gendered in such a, like an 18th century way. It's so sick. Um, but <laughs> it truly is. 
But right now, at the time of our recording, we are five days away mm-hmm. from the big day. Yeah. Okay? My mama lands tomorrow. Andy's parents land tomorrow. Mm. The family rolls up Wednesday. It starts. Okay? It starts, which is why we're recording now. You uh-huh. are getting us in the last uh-huh. moment of privacy, I would say. Because it's not calm. It's not quiet. It's right. privacy. My brain is pudding, though. I know it is. That's why I'm doing most of the talking. Genuine pudding. I'm really trying to help, okay? Because you, you know, really are. You know what? No, no, no. We are to be man and woman, okay? We are to be. <laughs> we are to you, be. <laughs> woman and husband. Correct. Woman and husband. Okay, you know what? You know what? I, I'm, I'm taking 50% of the talking. I'm not, I'm not just going to drop in your lap and say, here, you handle this. Well, I thought it would be a gift to you. A gift to you is for me to handle it if your brain is like, what is it? Figgy pudding? Isn't that a British pudding? Figgy? Sounds. Kidney pie? Kidney. <laughs> exactly. It is a, 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 a pint, two pints and a packet of crisps. My brain is. <laughs> that sounds delicious. There, oh, mushy peas. There was, I was watching some British show where they were eating mushy peas, and I had to look that up, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if it, here, British listeners. Yep. UK listeners. Yep. Maybe this is particularly only English listeners. Tell us, are mushy peas good or bad? Yes, because I could not tell from the descriptions. <laughs> I could not tell. You're supposed to uh, uh, dunk your your chips in it, Naomi. Uh huh. You know what it is? Though? I know me. Not I your w- crisps. Your chips. I think I would like mushy peas. I could totally see myself liking a mushy pea. Fish, chips, and a mushy pea. Yeah, I might. That might pop off for me. I mm-hmm. like stuff like that. I like savory baby foods. Not me. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna get a, a curry takeaway. <laughs> okay, we're. I'm gonna go to. <laughs> nope, don't do more British things. I'm gonna go to Nando's. Is that a is that a place or is that just a character on what we do in the shadows? <laughs> well, that's Nandor. All right, uh, that's not what we do in the shadows. Um, I think you are referencing a <laughs> store chain in the UK. You guys were insane. They got a Gristini's over there. <laughs> I hope not. We should barely have them here. They got a giant eagle. That's a Pittsburgh particular <laughs> supermarket chain. All right, Naomi. Hey, before we get into today's episode, before we get into a matrimonial kind of context, I want to read this. You know, we've asked our listeners, even though the contest is over, we had a contest where we said, please write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and in the in the description... In the review, please tell us the worst person you ever dated or worst person you went on a date with, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, even though the contest is over, we still want you to do that. We love the reviews. They're a joy to read. Also, any five-star review you leave helps the show. So you can do this. Costs you nothing. Takes 30 seconds, depending on how much detail you want to give us, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um and it means oh, the world to us. So please keep the reviews coming. The person who won... Because they did date somebody who chopped a lizard with a sword. <laughs> you will be getting your couples therapy prize pack. But you got to know, your girl, your boy, we a little busy right now. Okay? So you're getting this prize pack after the wedding on the other side of things. Okay? But we got you. We'll email you a tracking number. Oh, yeah. You'll get a tracking. But just letting you know, we have not forgotten. We keep our word. But you know, it's a little bit. You you behind. This gotcha. one this one comes to us uh, from someone named Dork Queen. <laughs> Dork Queen. I love it. Thank you, Dork Queen. I love this review. Uh, It says, uh, uh, in hindsight, seeing the man I just started dating get into a shouting match with the Walmart greeter was a huge red flag. Now, what I love about this. Okay. First of all, thank you for the five-star review. Thank you. This is almost a haiku. Mm-hmm. It's a poem. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is spare and yet rich. Mm-hmm. It tells us so much without 
telling us anything at all. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, okay, fight with a Walmart greeter. I mean, that's, that is explosive to, as a phrase. To yell at anyone in a big box well, come store. On, come on. To yell at anyone, let alone. The greeter. The greeter. The, greeter, the, the elderly person standing at the front. The person whose job it is to say, you. like, thanks for coming in. Yeah. Literally, they ain't supposed to do nothing but say hi. I need to know. I mean, what would lead to fighting? What could have been done or said to get things to that high of a level? Maybe they were dating a libertarian and they're like, you don't greet me. You don't (laughs) greet me. I'm a sovereign citizen. No one greets me. (laughs) Oh, my God. Dork Queen, please tell us this is a libertarian. Because this is is, New Hampshire. (laughs) Where is it happening? I mean, it could be. That's wild. But yeah, that is a red flag. That is a red flag. Because they always say too, right? It's like, watch the way someone talks to a waiter. You know what I mean? Yeah. That'll let you know who they are. It's like. This is even like the greeter, like literally they couldn't mess up your fish. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for you to be yelling at the greeter like this. So you know what? That's a huge red flag. It's huge. It's intense. Also, a server couldn't mess up your, unless the server, unless you've been rude to the server already. And while they're, while they're uh, taking out your food, they uh, spit in it, right? (laughs) They can't mess it up. They're not in charge of it. So why would you? Yeah. Why would you be yelling anyway? Unless you're a sovereign citizen. Are you a sovereign citizen? Folks, Yes. Couples therapy is becoming a libertarian podcast. Oh my god! Oh god. Um, there's so there's so much going on <laughs> in our lives and in Andy's brain right now. Now we have a great episode, so we want to get into that. But as everyone you know who has shared our wedding journey, people who are interested, people who care, just a reminder that you can hear more wedding info on our Patreon. Patreon again, it's like. That's where we get to go deep. It's where we don't have a guest. It's just me and Andy. So if you enjoy us and think that, you know, we're worth listening for, join the page. Patreon.com slash couples therapy pod. Just $5. You get two bonus episodes a month and we dive deep. We dive deep. I'm naming and shaming. I am letting it all out. So just a little, just a little heads up for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're interested. And if not, honey, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll continue to give you pearls. Okay. We will. And quite honestly, the fact is the episodes are bangers on the free feed. So there's really no, you know what I mean? It's a win either way. And speaking of winners, okay? Speaking of bangers, today's ep is an episode that was a long time coming. Yeah. We were trying to make it happen. We finally got them, and it was so wonderful to sit down and talk. You've already heard their dulcet tones, honey. The one, the only, Moshe Kasher and Natasha Legero. Now, come on. Yeah. Maybe you remember when we were on their podcast. Do you remember that? Do you know their podcast? A couple months ago? Endless Honeymoon? I mean, if you like us, you'll love Endless Honeymoon because they out here answering questions, giving people advice, and they be getting some real wild questions up in there. Okay? Mm-hmm. Also, perhaps you've seen the Honeymoon stand-up special. Yes, their special. I said their special. Yes. On Netflix. This is a couple who does it. Did this I watch it? Did I watch it being like, oh, I hope we're not stepping on what they're doing? <laughs> And we're not, we're not Naomi. There's room for all of us. There room is. for all of us. Um, well, some this, of us, but definitely, is, definitely true. the four of us. There's definitely There's room, room for the four, for of, the four us. of us. Absolutely. This is also a couple where they're both authors. I mean, my God. Okay. Stand-ups, hosts, actors, authors. Now, Moshe has a book called Cashier in the Rye, which Andy swears by. Yeah. Natasha I read it when it came out. That came out just at the end of last year called The World Deserves My Children. <laughs> Get that book. <laughs> Natasha is the best. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to say, because look, without further ado, quite frankly, I still don't even have a wedding dress in my hands yet, and it's oh, March no. 6th. So you know what? Oh, no. Andy, just say the words. Let's get to the app. Roll it. Well, we should set the scene. 
today we're recording on Valentine's Day, so you know what all for, all of our relationships are like. Uh, and this is your third podcast of the day. Not only is this our third podcast of the day, but as soon as we log off with you, we are headed down to the Orpheum Theater for the Chosen Comedy Festival, where we will be on a lineup of 14 Jews in front of 2,000 probably Orthodox Jewish audience members. I'm preparing for a bomb. <laughs> wow. Wait a minute. Uh, I need to Modern Orthodox, I assume? I would hope so. Yeah, let's, I would hope so. They're not going to separate the women from the, <laughs> the comedy. <laughs> I'm just learning that the audience is going to be comprised mostly of Orthodox Jews. And I also look that I'm 15th on the lineup. So <gasps> I'm, I'm not that psyched. Uh, but I guess <laughs> bombing with you on Valentine's Day, that's kind of romantic. Yeah, it'll be nice for us to both drive home asking each other if we prop- should have done this career in the first place. That'll be kind of a fun zone. <laughs> Can we talk about why you chose this tonight in the first place? And Money. Be- okay, well, that's the right thing. Because <laughs> I wonder, because I guess what I was asking is too about, again, you two famous comedians known, and I say that not, um, I'm not being sarcastic, especially to the point where Andy's parents saw our um, appearance on Endless Honeymoon. Oh, she, wow. No. You didn't tell us you were on, and we're like, we didn't think of, you know, because like y'all are people we know. We're not like, and it's like, if Norma Beckerman knows about a pod, <laughs> can I can I just put this out there? I started a podcast that's still going. I started in 2010. As of 2019, they still thought that a podcast was a video, like videos. I was making like comedy videos or something. Dude, and never never asked, never looked online. First of all, <laughs> and then also never asked me about it. So True. for them to know yep. and watch, yep, you. All right. I'm impressed. I mean, try having a deaf mom. I've been trying to explain the concept of podcasting to my deaf mom since the <laughs> technology was invented. I'm like, you know, radio kind of. I mean, it's very difficult to translate. And by the way, you, Naomi, you saying that we're just people you know, I did notice when you guys came over and did our podcast how normal you were acting and not nervous the way most people are around the two of us you know you guys were it was really cool and a testament to your down-to-earthness you know you didn't you didn't let our thing kind of freak you out you know wait i have a question naomi did uh andy get you anything for valentine's day oh no let's move on to a new question no he did not but also i didn't get him anything so it's all good what'd you get me natasha i got you an almond croissant a bear claw and she's (laughs) and she's out here like where are my flowers and my diamonds and my russell stover's chocolates (laughs) okay did you get it for valentine's or you just got it this morning then remembered it was valentine's and said you want a bear claw here's the thing i don't like to waste time like trying to go to a shop to get something specific. Like I'll just eat whatever. And today, because it was Valentine's, I'm like, okay, I'll find a parking spot. I'll go to this village bakery. I'll get him this because he liked it. So likes it. So I did actually go out of my way for you. Well, I love you and I appreciate it. And I, I, I do think that she just was like, oh, that looks good. I'll call it a Valentine's Day gift. I believe I believe Natasha's interpretation and her mindset behind the event to make Thank a concerted you. effort to get food. I mean, that's something I do all the time because, you know, food is one of my few joys in this life. But, you know, people who aren't about that, if you're like, I am going for this, I understand. That's can, an investment. Can you rattle off your joys in this life on one hand? Mm. <laughs> food, you, the animals. That's it. Comedy. Come on. Doing it. Doing it when it's not bad. To me, comedy is church, 
It is Motion. me telling my truth. It is the new <laughs> philosophy that I, I'm one yeah. of the new philosophers. Oh, I, I'm a, I, I 100% agree. I think uh, stand-ups are like uh, preachers and philosophers mm, kind of mm, together. Amazing. Mm. And are you that, guys you know, going to check out the Tucker Carlson documentary on how comedy's in trouble what? coming out this Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually did a segment. It was me, Chris D'Elia, <laughs> and um, Gutfeld. Uh, which one? <laughs> yes, the Gutfeld. New, the new king of late night, Gutfeld himself. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm having a sober jan or a sober February, February, and um, I have to say, my joys are are much less. Like, yeah, I, you, I'm realizing my some of my joys are uh, definitely her five would imbibing. be like, her five would be like red wine, white wine, rosé, a Chianti because I am Italian, and an occasional uh, spritzer mixed in. Well, no, I thought but... you were really going to add your daughter into one of those five. <laughs> it was going to be red, white, rosé. You know our daughter's name, right? Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to tell you, I dated a guy. He was in AA, and he had broken up with a woman named Chardonnay. I said, honey, you shouldn't be dating a Chardonnay now. You shouldn't have been dating a Chardonnay in the first place. I don't know. I she kinda, was a white girl. I see the logic behind being in AA and dating a Chardonnay. It's like, you know, if I can't have my true love, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with, you know? But that is so rude. Yes. What? To name your child after alcohol. Oh, you think? Yes, for sure. Destiny. This it's is my son, Mezcal. <laughs> <laughs> Little white claw. I have. <laughs> That's a great name for a kid. Yeah. I have two major questions. Major. Okay. okay. Major questions. One, because we are recording this on Valentine's Day, and it seems like the four of us, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I we're normal, we're... civilized people. We're not like, <laughs> we're not in the dregs of basicness. Uh, you know, we're not, we don't want to spend all this money on a prefix dinner like you're is it's like kind of a ripoff right it's just a valentine's day is a little basic right yes yes we're, yeah, t- we're too absolutely. cool for that okay go ahead with your question <laughs> i well is there are there holidays that do have meaning for you are you for me holidays don't have much meaning period they are i for whatever reason my brain doesn't attached to symbolic stuff very often like i don't visit graves there's nothing interesting about it <laughs> graves in general general graves i'm not visit visiting graves, graves. I, I remember the last time i went I, my parents to go like visit like the graves of like their parents and things like that and i'm just like okay but i'm wondering, what about jewish you, holidays do they have no meaning for you yeah what about because- jewish holidays and by the way depending on how you answer it i will be reporting this stuff to the chosen comedy festival tonight so just kind of choose your words carefully are they well? They already don't think I'm Jewish. They're they're Orthodox. They don't think that I'm Jewish anyway. So, oh, are you a dad Jew? They're like, oh. yeah, that checks out. What's that? Are you a dad Jew? What's that? I'm, no, I'm Reform. Oh, they think you're Jewish. They just think you're a bad Jew. Don't ever say that about <laughs> yourself. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. As long as uh, I was oh. told, I remember I I had a lot of resentment early on because I was told that Orthodox Jews, maybe it was Hasidic Jews, did not think I was Jewish. I don't think that's true. That just sounds like a mean rumor that some bullies on the playground told you. (laughs) The Hasidic bullies. I've been bullied by Hasids my whole life. You know, when I was a kid, we used to go to – my dad lived in a Hasidic neighborhood. My dad was an Orthodox Jew, and but he was – we would play dodgeball. It would be the ultra-Orthodox kids versus the really religious kids. 
So everybody on our side of the team, you would have been like, whoa, those people, wow, look, they're very religious. And that's little baby Moshe. He seems like he'll be a comedian someday. And then the other people would have looked at our side of the team as like the modern ne'er-do-wells. Like they were like Yiddish as a first language speakers, talking like characters from Dr. Zhivago. And that would be the dodgeball situation. <laughs> you could just um, hear like, you could, you could make out Shonda. And uh, they were huge. They were huge um, uh, scandal fans. They were they loved Shondaland. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, that was the oh, one right, indulgence. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, they were talking about Bridgerton. Sorry. To answer your question, I really like <laughs> I really like New Year's Eve because I feel like there's something sort of uh, uh, I don't uh, like like um telling telling you about your future. What's the word? Hmm. You know, I like to set the tone for my year. So I like to like think about where I'm going to place myself and what I'm going to be doing and, you know, try to make it this fortuitous thing that's like, oh, I'm here in this in this situation. Oh, and I also like this New Year's Eve after we did our show, we did it. We do a show in in San San Francisco. I thought this was cute. Um, Moshe, I, I wanted to go hang out with some friends. And Moshe decided to go charge the Tesla while I went and hung out with my friends. So then at like, at like midnight, one in the morning, he's like at the Tesla charger while I was hanging out with Sabrina and Nick Thune in, in their hotel room. And then you came and picked me up. And I thought that was kind of cool. Well, I, it was with the kid. So we had the kid at the show oh, right. and That's she was why. like delirious because it was after midnight. And I said, you go hang out with your friends, have a real New Year's Eve, and I'll go hang out at a parking lot in Oakland te- uh, charging this Tesla with our child in the back, and I'll have my own little New Year's. And, and I- that's the tone I'd like to set for the rest of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you doing your thing. But exactly. that's funny that you say you like New Year's because it's funny because I feel about – New Year's, like New Year's and Valentine's are, are the same for me in that sense of like mm. everybody's out those nights and the prices are inflated, so I don't like it. Whereas, but I will say this, it's funny you say that, Andy, because I do remember when we went to Moshe Natasha's Hanukkah party, that was meaningful for you because yes. we did talk a lot about community here and how, and I was and I was always surprised because because, you know, as Andy says, he's all like, I'm reform, it's no big deal. But I think simply living in New York where there were a lot of Jewish people did a lot of the heavy lifting of feeling part of a community that since being here, you haven't felt. Yes. That's so nice to hear that you had, cause I, I do try to make like, you know, I try to like have everyone sing the songs, even though it feels kind of awkward because, you know, I think the Jewish people appreciate it. Cause like sometimes we'll have friends and they'll like be like recording it to send to their mom <laughs> just to like prove that they're doing something Jewish. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I, I, I'm a big believer in uh, infusing sincerity, even amongst comedians, into things like that, because it's so easy to dip into cynicism and having everything be a joke that to the extent that we can, that is the reason that we always like make a point of really lighting the candles when we have a Hanukkah party. It's not that I'm religious as much as I think it's nice to punctuate these comedic kind of gatherings with moments of like, Okay, let's try to shift into a mode of sincerity. And I, I do try to have uh, the truth is I, uh, Natasha's New Year's Eve. I, for me, Yom Kippur actually has meaning, not, yeah. It's kind of the way I do it with everything in, in Judaism is like, it, I don't believe it. 
but I ascribe to it because I can find meaning in it. And so the idea of a, of a yearly, uh, holiday where I can do introspection, look at the places that I kind of went wrong and, uh, and then symbolically emerged emerge clean the next day. I like that idea that every year I go, I forget everything that I made a mistake doing last year. And now I've got a clean slate. I like that sincerely. And I, and I like Passover too, sincerely for the, for a similar reason. I like to think every year about, uh, you know, the, the privilege that I have, I'm mean, not to uh, drop the P word this early in a podcast, but, um, but you know, how lucky I am and how lucky we all are kind of in, in this world and how there are people that aren't as lucky and people that are living in subjugation of various degrees of subject. I feel like there's very, there's a lot of power in an annual ritual where you think about where you are and how there are people are, are suffering and that you're, I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, that's I the one where you certain. can't eat. No, no, no. You eat on Passover. You don't eat on Yom Kippur. Dude, I did a Yom Kippur once and it is the sickest I've ever been. And I, I wasn't thinking like I didn't drink or eat. Right. She didn't realize she couldn't have wine the whole day. Like she thought that it was a fast with wine. No, I would have been fine just fasting, but I also didn't drink water. And there was a point towards like 8 PM. We were walking down Wilshire and I, I felt like one of those people you see like hunched over all the way. And like I couldn't even see one step in front of me. And then by the time we got home to eat some pizza, it was like too late and I just passed out at home. I mean, it was like the sickest I'd ever been. I had a horrible headache. I couldn't move. And then that kind of ruined the holiday for me. Well, you know who, who loved it? Hmm. Why? God. Oh, God <laughs> loved watching that suffering. God, that, to me, to that year, Natasha won Yom Kippur. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God gets off on the suffering. Uh, <laughs> he loves it. He loves chosen. it. But it's so funny you say because Natasha, my first Yom Kippur, we went to Andy's parents' house. And again, this is relatively early in our relationship. And I said, don't bring me around on a day that I can't eat, drink, or apply lotions. Okay? Because I'm just doing nothing. <laughs> so I said, Andy, you want me around your, your parents hungry and ashy. And I always <laughs> joked that I had a sandwich hidden in the toilet tank. Because I was like, how am I going to get through this? Because they were saying, they were like, you don't have to fast. Again, me not being Jewish. They're like, you know, you. But I felt like I can't be around hungry people eating. Do you know what I mean? Like opening up the fridge, being like, what am I going to make? <laughs> and oh, I think that's chips into your mouth. That's <laughs> one of the great, the great, and just like, I feel like that's the great privilege of of being a Jew around non-Jews on Yom Kippur. You can really rub it in their face. She was trying to make a good impression. I I was trying to be cute and good. And then I was like, never again. It was too early on in the relationship. If if you came to my parents' house for Yom Kippur now, you would just like have like like a like a medieval king a, giant, <laughs> a turkey leg yeah, like. just gnawing on a turkey leg the whole time being like you guys are really doing it well it, med- medieval turkey legs are difficult for us because it brings up a lot of um historical intergenerational trauma to think about me- medieval times and stuff like that so mm-hmm. that's one thing i wouldn't recommend any mead <laughs> any mead related beverages or anything like that it just brings up a lot of bad stuff for us yeah spanish inquisition getting kicked out of spain that's right Etc. Et you have a second major question well, I don't want to lose because I have a question of my own. We've tipped over into it because I okay. am curious. Natasha, you converted, correct? I did. What was that process like for you? It was a uh, nineteen three-hour class, four-hour classes uh, by Rabbi Neil Weinberg, and he was very passionate about converting 
people in LA so much so that if you wanted to convert in like three weeks, you could because he had a class available every night of the week. Whoa. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I think we went twice a week. Moshe came with me. It was really sweet that you came. Oh, I mean, you will, nice. we described the demographic as um, it was interesting, Andy, because as a Jew, you never are in the convert. Why would you be in the conversion classes? So it was interesting to be on the other side of the curtain to see what's going down. The demo in that particular program was um, a few individual spiritual seekers uh a couple of young couples like Natasha and I, and then about 18 super hot Maxim model type like Latina ladies and like 85 year old Sparty men in Bentleys picking them up after the class. And they never showed up. And it was, they were all these like Israeli guys who were like in $125,000 cars. Oh my God. <laughs> Getting the women to convert. But you know, I, I liked it. I, I liked the, you know, it, he said the hallmarks of Judaism are uh, Shabbat, uh, Takun Alam, which I mm-hmm. liked, which is uh, world peace. To heal, to to heal, heal the, the world. world. And to then, make it a better place for you and for me and for the entire human race. I mean, there is a choice we're making. And yeah. to, <laughs> to procreate. That's what he said. Fucking. And uh, I... Uh, Wait, that's what the rabbi know. said? Yeah. <laughs> No, he said to procreate. Yeah, but it, I mean, there's an implied fucking in that, right? And I felt like, you know, I was converting to Judaism because we wanted to have a kid. And I knew it was important to Moshe that the child had some Jewish values. So I figured it would be easy for me, easier for me to contribute in that way. And also just having spent Shabbats with him, I sort of fell in love with that idea of like, it just feels like, Judaism kind of keeps men home with the family more. (laughs) It's kind of this built in. And I was just observing it and his cousins and his relatives and other Jewish people I knew and just something about the observance of it. And in Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof, um, something about that, it, it does feel... I don't know, the whole... the It's a very family oriented religion. And, you know, I come from a dad who left my, you know, my mom when I was little and we never, I was a latchkey kid and we, we never had any rituals or any kind of, um, you know, any kind of traditions. And I was really attracted to that part of it. And because I had nothing in that world to, to add that into my life felt like something positive. Couples therapy is a hardcore Jewish evangelism podcast. But I don't know if you misunderstood the theme, but yes, okay. Do I sound yeah, hardcore? Yeah. No. I mean, I'm just yeah. letting you no, know. No, you know, I don't think you sound like, no, no, no. I mean, I'm just feeling Jewish self-consciousness that all we're talking about is this. Oh, don't worry. We did a Valentine's Day show on Sunday where an Andy managed to bring up Shoah within the first three Okay. <laughs> the said, documentary? To- yes. And they were like, uh, how did we get to Holocaust? Like in the chat, because it was an online show. And people were like, how did we get here? It's and always like, it's always one little you want uh, one little conversational nugget away. You want to hear a crazy Holocaust factoid? Um, sure. It's not it – didn't, it didn't happen the way that they say it did. No. I – watched a movie the other night randomly my friend andrew came over and we're like we let's watch a movie and i've been trying to uh get him to watch this movie europa europa have either of you seen europa europa it's a great movie but i hadn't watched it in like 20 years and i was like why don't we watch your random why don't we watch europa europa so we watch europa europa and it's this crazy story about this jewish kid in germany that 
um, through a insane set of circumstances, ends up falling in with with the Hitler Youth, posing as a ger- as a native German and hiding in the Hitler Youth, which is how he escaped uh, being killed in the Holocaust. And it was such a crazy story that I was like, I got to look this guy up because I've been burned before. There's this book called uh, The Painted Bird by Jersey Kaczynski. If it, 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 great book. But the guy got in all kinds of trouble because he made a bunch of the shit up and it wasn't really true. I'm like, this story is too crazy to be true. I look, the, so I got to look him up. I looked the guy up. He had died five days earlier. He was 97 years old. And I, it felt spooky. Like I, this guy's story from was, I was like observing this guy's story, like the week that his family was sitting in Israel, sitting Shiva for him. I don't know. There was something about it that really made my skin, uh, my hair stand up in a nice way. So the Holocaust is a great and beautiful topic for us. <laughs> great, beautiful topic. <laughs> I bring it up all the time. This, uh, well, I mean, mostly because I was taught about it when I was about six years old. And so really, so yeah, so my entire sense of identity is built in with with uh, the fact that uh, uh, a large portions of the world uh, wanted to destroy my uh, you want to hear another crazy little factoid uh, Holocaust thing, and then we can move on from the topic or spend the rest of the hour talking about it. <laughs> um, another interesting coincidence, Holocaust wise, during the State of the Union, um, my brother was watching the State of the Union with Uncle Uncle Joe, and um, in walks uh, Bono, and then in walks uh, what's uh, Kamala's husband's Doug Emmerhoff? Doug Emhoff. Doug Emhoff. Ella. And then in walks randomly our cousin Ruthie, who is a Holocaust survivor, also ninety-seven years old, who'd been invited by Joe Biden to come sit in the State of the Union. Uh, who survived Auschwitz, who's like this tough, cool lady that's now a docent at the Holocaust Museum. And it was like a random, that's our cousin, right next to Bono. And the best thing about your cousin is that she was... Uh, the best? Well... I know where you're going with this, and it's not the best. It's the best thing that she was saved. It's the most. It's definitely the most interesting. She was saved... In an oven, like she they found hi- her in an oven. She was hiding in apparently. And according she was saved. To, according to family legend, she was hiding in the oven when the when the when they found her. So pretty oh hardcore life. God. Pretty pretty tough lady. Okay. Did did Biden like show like Hey, look at America today. Does this seem familiar at all? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she yeah. Was there. She was there. But now here's my thing. I'm gonna say when you said she's a docent, can you imagine if you get to the Holocaust Museum, you the school group on a day Ruthie is there? Okay, you're here for the banger. Okay, because not all the docents are the champ. Not all the docents were there. I want yeah, to like, the museum the day she is there. Yeah, they're like, well, you could go with Madison. She's 19 and she's a Jewish studies double major uh, uh, along with uh, internet editing, uh, video, TikTok video editing. Or there is Ruthie who was found in an oven. Exactly. What's Remember, your choice to be? We were going we to name our kid after Ruthie because she was found in the oven. That's right. That's Wait, Andy, did did your parents tell you that about it, or was that from Hebrew school? Yeah, I think it was religious school. I think we like. Can we not do that? Why would you want to not do that? Because he's saying it traumatized him. Did it traumatize you? No more than living in the world traumatized me. <laughs> but it framed your worldview at such an early age. Are you saying because basically, I think so I did being the, like one of the only Jews in. Uh, my school so like i that so maybe a it's lot different if you have a jewish community and you hear about it early maybe you might have a little more hope but yeah. if you're Are, the only jew and you're hearing they're trying to kill you right maybe, to, maybe right, it's like right, too right. much maybe then you start looking Andy. at all your school chums <laughs> with us chums he's british now okay before we answer people's questions here's something because i've always thought about you i've been dying to know 
Um, you two are fools like us. Um, We're straight that, fools. In that, you are lovers who choose to work together. Mm-hmm. We talking, as you said, New Year's Eve show together with the baby and the Tesla. Thank God you didn't get robbed that night, Moshe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. God. That are people robbing? Te- are people robbing Teslas? Well, I just mean like it's a fancy car. Like I'm like you're in a you're in a parking lot at midnight right. in a fancy car. Yeah, if I, I just, rob someone, I'm looking for the Tesla owners. The thing is, I think that like. People see that now that Elon has revealed himself to be so like tough and cool. I don't think people will fuck with the Tesla owner. You know, we're like a community now, you know, right? you're a community. Also working on Valentine's Day, doing endless honeymoon pod, you know, and then choosing to be around each other and have fun. You know, yes. Did it take 12 and a half weeks to schedule you on this podcast? Yes. <laughs> but that's because you have so much, you know, and again, raising a kid. Like, y'all co-work in every facet. And I, Andy and I are the only fools I know who do that. And so this is so nice to have some other fools. How did this come to be? Was this something you wanted, you know, in choosing a lover? Who shares your work? Is it just, was it all just kind of organic? Again, you choose a person because you know you think they're funny and smart. So then, of course, it makes sense that you would do stuff with them. Talk to me. It's definitely a challenge because there's so many things I want Moshe to do that don't have to do with scheduling, getting back to people, figuring out when we're going to do our podcast. You know, I want him to take out the garbage. I want him to watch our kid. I want him to feed the dogs. I want him to close the cabinets. I need to help him find his wallet. Like, there's so many annoying things that are happening throughout the day and then adding on all of the rest of it is a little much, but I have to say, I never, it it does feel organic because I never really thought about it. And I do kind of like making money on Valentine's day, on new year's Eve type of thing, because Mm -hmm. like you can make more money on those days. Well, that's what I was going to say is, uh, it actually answers Andy's question earlier is, uh, I love as a comedian that these weird artificial dates where you're like having pressure to do a thing that as comedians, it's like if I can work New Year's and I can work Valentine's, whatever the day is, Mm -hmm. I feel like, okay, I did a thing. I got paid to do a thing. I did. I participated, but I also I did my mission in the world. There's something about that that I really like, that the pressure is off because we work those days. Mm Working together, Natasha, yeah, is right. There's a lot of scheduling stuff and a lot of stuff that doesn't have to do with the, with the, the career that she, that we want from each other. And it can be hard to find time to like be a regular couple. And Natasha, it's harder than Natasha was saying because she's a, she's a three ML a day, a person, three, three make loves. And that's like for me difficult to keep up with, you know, like, and I'm talking every day without like every day, Yom Kippur, uh, after the death of loved ones and stuff like that. She's just like a straight freak. She's just like every day it's gotta be three. Increase after the death of a loved one. Yeah. 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 Well, that'll be a six. That'll be a sixer to, to distract. Um, but I will, it's what I will say is touring. Natasha likes touring less than she used to, but touring specifically. It was such a cheat code for touring because my experience, like I don't drink, I'm in a relationship. The road is like boring and lonely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, when you can't fuck the waitresses. And yeah. <laughs> it, it, and so when we figured out this thing where we could go on the road and do our show on the road is like, she does a half hour. 
I do a half hour and then we do a half hour of like bringing couples up and kind of doing roasty couples counseling yeah, we see stuff. The special on the Netflix, so, everybody. So, well, that's just a iteration of this like organic touring thing that we did. To me, that was like, oh my God, I just figured out the whole game. Like we get paid more. We have more fun. There's less pressure. The, sh- the, the shows are easy and we're hanging out with. But now we have a kid, so it's not easy anymore. That was, that worked for like until we had the child. Even that, like our kids slept in a few green rooms and there's something I like about that. Something very romantic about that to me. <laughs> a few bathrooms. Yeah. Get them an order of mozzarella sticks. Yes. Yeah. Let, let them go to sleep. Yeah. We would puree them and put them into the bottle and stuff and be like, this is your future. <laughs> you know? It's so salty. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> just a cheese. Just a soft curd but but hearing you say this naomi i'm like oh maybe we don't have to work together <laughs> no no i'm not trying to rip you apart i'm just again because it's like andy and I, you are honestly the only other comedy like couple i know who do who you know work as much because i think and you know we talk a lot about this on the pod so i don't need to belabor it but like just to tell you guys you know it's something andy and i have really dealt with our enmeshment and a little bit of that is certainly compounded by living in LA where Mm -hmm. we're not, we don't have the same social circle and certainly Mm -hmm. people know us as a unit, right? Like for the most part, we do do stuff in New York. We were a lot more separate, like going out and about and stuff. And it's like, you used to have your friends. I have mine and here we're much more of a unit. And so again, I was joking about it, but I totally get it. Like when you got so much stuff to plan and then trying to like book a podcast where you're like, I got 12 other things that have to happen. And there are times where it's like, I just don't want to ask him that question right now. Uh, when do we turn oh, off that's the same from thing the for, work yes. mode? That's the same thing with you. Where I'm like, there's times where I'm dreading asking you, like, we have to, there's this thing that has to be done for the show. <laughs> and I literally, Dread. like, wait till the last minute because I'm dreading, because I'm like, we're just eating dinner now. Can we just eat dinner? Can there just be it's a really hard. just eat dinner? And I think if, it, you know, we did, we did have a situation on another period where we would work together all day long. And we did have a rule where when we crossed the threshold of the place where we shot, we would stop talking about it from like, you know, 8 p.m. until the next morning. And I think that really helped, like, because I think we were noticing it was all we were doing. Yeah. So, you know, if sometimes you do have to establish those kind of boundaries. Something I hate, though, is when people are like asking me his schedule because it's like, he doesn't even text me back. Like, oh. how would I know his schedule? Oh, I do this performative ignorance thing. when Because pe- people, when they ask me to do a set around town, I would say two-thirds of the time, it's like, we'd love to have Natasha too. And I'll do this, like, performative ignorance where I'm like, oh, I don't really I know. I don't even know if she's in town. I don't know where she's at. Like, I can't. You might want to ask her. She seems like a person that would love to. I don't know. And she's literally right next to me. I'm texting with her in bed. I could just turn And over. you know what's easy is the answer is always no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always. <laughs> Wait, before we answer advice questions, I just want to ask, Natasha, have you yes. dated Jews before? And Moshe, have you dated Gentiles before? Um, I've definitely dated Jewish people. I think that is where I started to come to my uh, realization because I, I, I guess it was either like, for me, it was musicians or Jews. And <laughs> after dating <laughs> enough musicians, I was like, oh, like the overly emotional, all about me, like that kind of thing. Like, I kind of liked the idea of a guy who wants me to like tell him what to eat, and uh, <laughs> you want him home on Friday night. You said he's home on Friday house. night. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's if, home on Friday. If there he was just a vague needs a lot of support, a vague essence of beta male. 
Uh-huh. Natasha was interested. Like if it just had an ambient kind of <laughs> mist of beta around, I like that. But uh-huh. yeah. she's have that books or guitars, just a kind of a vague <laughs> feeling of yeah. I need my mommy. And the Jews are a little more clean than the, the musicians, musicians. Yeah, sure, sure, and definitely less emotional, more neurotic. Um, but yeah, I huh. think that I've definitely dated Jews and uh, liked it. And Andy. <laughs> I've dated everybody, but it really depends on what you mean by dated. <laughs> Natasha's the first serious relationship I've ever had in my life. Really? Wait, really? Yeah. I would oh say my that's god, fair. we should have started there. God damn it! <laughs> Wait, what was what was different? Okay, well, yeah. Let's just very quickly. What was different about Natasha than your previous? I'm ex- I'm extremely the tolerant. The butt. Her butt. <laughs> Her, the butt. You never okay. dated a girl with a with a big butt. I mean, not 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 yours. That is so sad. If that is true, that that is all that it takes. <laughs> that was it. Once I saw it, I was no. I. It's a long story, obviously, but I was a person that was very um, unlucky in long term relationships. I'd gone to therapy about it, and I'd I'd done the work, but um, but then when Natasha would was single and we started to flirt like I entered into it very because I knew my track record I entered into it very trepidatiously I was a, a what you what we call in the Jewish faith a slut and uh <laughs> Natasha and I did I I didn't sleep with Natasha for a long time uh it was Natasha, my did you sleep with him well I was kind of didn't sleep with you well what I'm saying is I declared we weren't doing that kind of a I, thing. and I I was coming from a totally different place where like I had come out of a long-term relationship and it had been eight months and that was a pretty long time of being single, like from what, cause I was always kind of jumping into relationships, even if I didn't really like the guy, I was just always in a relationship. And then I was like, okay, I should have sex with somebody. Oh, so wow. I was like, it was between Moshe and one other person. So who I was, was the other person? just real quickly. Who's the other person? <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I guess I'll do Moshe. But then he was kind of like more serious. So maybe that's why it worked. Well, my whole thing was that I was like, I knew my track record, which was that I would get into a situation and then I might fuck it up by by adding sexuality to the mix. And so I was because Natasha was a peer and a a co-worker and a friend. I was like, I'm not going to it's not worth it. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. even the the butt is not worth (laughs) like making some awkward situation with a, with a peer and a friend. So I'm going to wait until I'm sure I have these feelings for her. And she was not, you know, she much like, you know, every woman I've ever dated was just absolutely like crazed with sexual desire for me, just absolutely like salivating. And, uh, and I waited and I waited and I waited. Y'all and then you see Natasha's face. Natasha's <laughs> giving us the side eye of Felicia Rashad. Right. By now. the way, I- <laughs> hello, Felicia. <laughs> Um, hello, Felicia. Yeah. Uh, what? So, so I waited. And then once I knew, then we, then things happened and, uh, and the rest is history. Was but the I waiting was, something that was born out of sobriety? Like you had that, that, that you had, um, you had the strength in you. You're yes. someone who knows how to abstain. No, nah, nah, no. Nah. The the sluttery <laughs> was something born out of soci- uh, sobriety. To be perfectly honest, like, I think Moshe was probably realizing he was 35, 36, maybe older, 38, 35. I, I don't know. Yeah, 35, and, and like not not having had like a serious relationship ever, and so he was probably feeling 
like that cherry had to be popped a little bit. And she popped my cherry and she was gentle. And that was really nice. She was really sweet about it. And I'll always remember that. I mean, I was learning lessons like basic stuff, like, uh, like rem- no birthday present or that how to be how to be a good partner in a relationship, which I guess Natasha would say I'm still working on. But, you know, like little things like that. I just didn't know because I'd never I, I mean, it's not really Wait, what an do you excuse mean? like you wouldn't get a birthday present. He'd be like, I just don't really believe in presents. Well, I just was oh. <laughs> so used to living according to my own kind of like me in charge of me rules with nobody else to think about. And that was what kept me comfortable and kept mm-hmm. me. He's like, flowers are just like dead detritus. I still believe that, but I've now learned she loves them. And so I right. try to no, remember. Not me, any woman. A- any woman. <laughs> but I don't buy them. I barely buy them for other Probably women. any man except you. What, you think a lot of men want a bouquet Andy, of flowers? do you flowers? like flowers? Uh, actually, I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could splice them. <laughs> We have cats, so we really can't have flowers. We we always put flowers when people send them us. We put them in the vestibule. But it's a nice thing. You open the door, you're coming. There's some flowers he there. He does. It's nice. He goes, it smells so nice in the vestibule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little more on Moshe. I think I'm a little more like, they are nice. Don't get me wrong. I'm just like, oh, they're just going to die. So it's like nice for three days. You know what yeah. I mean? But But receiving them is a very nice treat. Like, I got birthday flowers from people, and it, if I, honey, I felt like Oprah. Yes! To get, like, a delivery of flowers feels very, like, Whatever's, like, it, it's very, it's, it's, it's like an internal feeling or something. And know? I got, and I'm saying these were things I literally, and I literally had to learn because I just was so used to being on my own. And other things like. Not texting back for a really long time. Right, that's something you do now, currently. Oh my God, Natasha, how did you handle that? Because especially, okay, because especially if you're not having sex early on too, because I say, you know somebody likes you when they're inside you and when they <laughs> spend time with you. And like, when, right? So it's like those kind of things. Were, and then it's like, if I wasn't getting texted back, ooh, I would be spiraling. I'm just a, I'm just a spiraler. <laughs> yeah, that was really annoying. I'm trying to think of what else you did that was annoying. Well, that's not where <laughs> I was going with this, but um, but but other things like well, re- it was much different than what you do now. That's annoying. Re- Thank you, honey. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, things like realizing a relationship is a it's hard to articulate this, but a partnership. Oh, I, money. Uh, hold on, just let me, before you get into other things I do wrong. <laughs> I mean, well, definitely money. Money was for sure an issue uh, because I am much more frugal than Natasha is. And we had to figure that that stuff out. And the idea of me negotiating, well, I mean, also Natasha would lie about money. She would say, oh, no, that costs seven. No, no, no. The the hotel that we stayed, the suite in New Orleans that we stayed at, oh, that was $100 a night. And then I would get a bill and I'd be like, it was. From like, he got so mad when we stayed in New Orleans and I lied to him about how much it cost, even though I was paying for it. He still, or we were splitting it. So now every time I've ever checked into a hotel, I make him go somewhere else and I say to the person, I'm like, can you make sure that they don't put um, prices under the door? You know, like how they used to do the, the bills under the door. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They slip you the, yeah, the, yeah. the check drop for the hotel. Yes. Right. Because it's hard to, and it's hard to do well during that. Check drop, you know? It's like there's all those added, like it is just expensive. Like it's yeah. like $30 resort fee. It's $50 taxes. Just to stay anywhere in Manhattan, they add $17 a night. Like it's just like all this stuff, you know? And I think that Moshe just likes to believe that that's not true. Well, also I like, I it was uh, not my comfort zone. We have a different relationship with money. It's just different. And so she had to 
teach me how to come to her, take a step towards her. And I had to teach her how to take a step toward me. Uh, you know, like she doesn't like camping and that like we would do this thing where if I wanted to go camping, I see the look on your face. Now you love camping. I can see it. I can. Well, I'm saying you love camping. You got to ta- you got yeah. Natasha's ass to burn a man pregnant. So hey, talk wait. about taking steps. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, no, that was a, uh, that a was actually dive. a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That wasn't a step. It was a mistake. <laughs> but like we would do this thing where if I wanted to go on a camping trip, we would, we would do like in my RV, we would do like three days camping, one day at a really nice hotel. We would find these ways to like, here are the rules. When it comes to hotels, when we go traveling together, she pays for the hotel because I I physically can't, it panics me. Even though in the end, the money is the same, I pay for the meals. Even though our money is shared, I pay for the meals because I can deal with the amount that's on a check. Even if it's 14 days in a row and it all adds up, I just can't deal with the check drop. It's too much. So we figured these kind of things out together. Okay, Literally, I think we got to at least do one question because people are not going to. Oh, sorry. There's questions. Well, I mean, I go, well, no, because obviously, look, we got endless honeymoon on here. Y'all answer questions all the time. You save lives. And so there's no way we can have you on CT and not answer some questions. So we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back to help you out. honey. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And we're back with Moshe Cash and Natasha Legero here to help you handle your scandal, honey. You're struggling. You're struggling. I like that. Handle your scandal. I had so many more questions, but but this is the format of the show, so we have to stick to it. <laughs> you have to stick to it. We are we are constrained by a, a creature we created. It's called free content. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we have, we have created a Frankenstein, and he's, he's holding us both by the throats and saying, "Answer these questions." I think this is a fun one to start out with. Well, we only have time for one, so <laughs> no, do as many as you want. Hey, okay. at five o'clock, our kid just comes down. That's all. Just oh, do okay. as many. I you had to go somewhere and pick up. I didn't want her on the side of the road. You know what I mean? A little sad after soccer practice. No, no, no she's, she's here. She's here. It's just she might be just. It's all good. We can okay. do it. But all let right. me just. Yeah, we're, it's not five o'clock yet. I know. Okay, kick it. Anonymous from Gmail. I'm always excited when it's anonymous because I feel like it could be juicy because they're like, "Don't say my name," but we don't know. Let's see. Long story short, it I've, is, I think. Okay, good. Long story short, I've been dating my partner for exactly a year now and working through long distance for some of it. Absolute best friend in the world, and he's supposed to be visiting me here soon. 
So he just found out via a family member that an old hookup of his gave birth a few months ago to his child. Supposedly, they were hooking up right before he met me. She said she thought she was pregnant, asked him for abortion money after they both agreed they were not at all interested in continuing the pregnancy, and ghosted. He says they never spoke after that. But recently, this person finds my partner's mom on Facebook saying something like, come meet your grandson. (laughs) My partner and this character have zero communication, have each other blocked on everything, etc. He very explicitly does not want children or to be involved. And same, we've agreed on this from early on. But I'm like truly gobsmacked, dumbfounded, flabbergasted. He says he's not going to be involved. I'm just not sure if that's easy. One thing I am damn sure about is that I don't want to end up a stepmom if this goes forward. And part of me is fixating on how close these timelines are. Slash, I'm questioning some fidelity, which I've never had to do with him. Any thoughts would be greatly appreciated because my ass is lost. Okay, peace and blessings, babes. (laughs) So I'm obsessed with this person already. There isn't an exact question. So just kind of the clear way is basically current partner. uh, The ex of the current partner is like, hey, I had a kid. As far as the partner knew, there had been a termination of the pregnancy. But obviously I wasn't. gave her money in order to. Well, she took his half of the abortion money. Well, asked him for the money, but I didn't know. They both agreed they were not at all interested in continuing the pregnancy. And then ghosted, meaning, and then she, I'm assuming she ghosted. That's fraud. That's money fraud. You're right, Andy. So I mean, for like, what? For $300? Yeah, I mean, I think. Is that, I think, is that how much it costs? That's it? $600? Well, I, th- I don't think an abortion is like $12,000 these days, right. Andy. I thought it was. Well, I don't know. I've never I think it. it's 1000 or less. So, so, so this is the thing. And then, but, but then I think, so he says he doesn't want children. He says he's not going to be involved. I'm not sure if that's easy. So those are kind of the bits and pieces. What do we think about this? I mean, well, she's not really saying what she, what she, they're not really saying in this question, like what they're looking to do. I do think it, it, I know it's hard for, this is a woman, right? Mm -hmm. I do think it's easier. I, I, I know people who have men, sperm donors who have men, uh, who've given birth, like given the woman their sperm and they really don't care. Like I, I, d- I do think that it's hard sometimes for a woman to wrap her mind around that, that someone would not want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. But I, cause I, I think if the situation were reversed, it's a little more challenging for a woman. But I also have a, a female friend who has a really high IQ and she all through her twenties and thirties, she donated her eggs and she got like a super, like she got so much money and she has like 12 kids in Australia or something. And like, she just thinks it's cool, you know? And I, you know, to to, like spread her seed. And, and I, I do think that like, it's, it's not like it's completely unbelievable that someone would not want to be involved. Yes. I'm having a hard time with the... Uh, the timeline of it? No, the timeline to me, my feeling is always, uh, if anytime you're tr- trying to uh, look at, s- suss out details and your partner you've always trusted, 
to be honest with you, and now you're like squinting at something, trying to find a lie. I feel like either you trust your partner or you don't trust your partner. Liars and cheaters, it's not like they one time in a vague way yeah. cheat once and then everything is perfect. Mm, yeah. You'll figure out if this person's a liar and a cheater at some other time in your relationship. Either you trust him or you don't that the timeline is clean. I Even- don't like it. I-, I dated a guy once in Australia. He was a con artist. And mm. I'll never forget this. We were sitting out at a cafe and it was like, one bad thing after another, like, you know, oh, you can't answer the phone. Don't talk to my friends. Oh, I'm going God. out. You stay here. I was like clearly being lied to. But I remember we were sitting at a cafe and this woman came up to him and she was like, Alex, your daughter's looking for you. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he just kept repeating. I have no child. That woman is insane. I don't have a child. And he just kept saying that. And every time I'd bring it up, I'd be like, Why, what does she mean your daughter's looking for you? You know, it was like your adult daughter or something. And he's oh like, God. that woman is insane. I uh, I, I do, do not have a child. But I just like, I wanted to believe him. But that's what I'm saying. He gave you 15 other widgets of disbelief in order for you to go, this person's not trustworthy. My issue with this person is not the fidelity. It's that he's got a child that he's just like, oh, fuck it. I don't give a fuck. That like, is I don't, a little bit of I don't an care issue. at all. Like, there's no agreement. Because he wasn't a sperm donor. He wasn't a sperm donor. And he doesn't have the information from this woman, whether she's crazy or not, whether she's blocked or not. She doesn't have the information from this woman that she doesn't want help with this child. And I maybe I'm old-fashioned over here, but I think if you get a woman pregnant... Whether or not you want to help support that child, you are ethically bound to that child until the woman tells you you are no longer ethically bound to the child, at least to send some money Mm -hmm. to be like, I want shit. I don't want anything to do. That's your kid, I think. I believe. Well, this is what's tricky. This is the part that I found the most like this is where my little spidey sense tingles. The person who you say was not interested in continuing the pregnancy. The person you're again, your partner says ghosted found your partner's mom and was like come meet your grandson those two things don't add up you see what a I'm paternity test is definitely in order for for sure oh a hundred percent but i'm saying if you if you didn't want somebody in your life why would you reach out to their mama scam it's a scam it could be this a scam. It is a scam. Get lazy on this one <laughs> lazy mostly a scam i okay? knew a person i actually knew a person who um was sleeping with someone, uh, and they had an unprotected dalliance for, and I'm not kidding. It was like a two pump unprotected dalliance. Like it was like they put, there was no condom. Moshe, I'm sex negative. I can't be thinking. I'm about sorry. Pumps. I'm sorry. No pump. <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm just trying to give you a timeline. Okay. So yes, they had the sex. There was things went into things and then they went wait let's put a condom on and then they had reg- sex with the condom mm-hmm. that's the only that's the the, the gray zone and that was uh-huh. their first time that was the, o- the only time that they slept together now this person this the woman was called month a few months later to to my friend and said i'm pregnant and it might be yours and he and he was like well were you sleeping with anyone else and she said yeah no i was uh, I have my ex-boyfriend that I was with before you and after you that I've had n- hundreds of unprotected sex sessions with to completion. So it could be him too. And would you like to risk uh, me carrying this child to term and you figure it out? Or do you want to pay for this like uh, in utero paternity test? 
and he knew he was being hustled. Mm. He knew that that the, this person was actually just trying to get him to pay so that she could prove to her current man that it was his kid. And it was very expensive. It was like $4,000 to do it really? before before the child is born. The paternity test is very expensive. This guy, this deadbeat that she was sleeping with wasn't going to pay for it. He, My friend knew he was being hustled, but he was like, I'm going to just be hustled because I would he rather. $4,000? He paid the money. Yeah. And of course, results came back. It wasn't his kid. And she was like, I knew it. And got to go to the guy she was dating and go, you better pay for your kid or whatever. But th- there could be some of that ha- sort of stuff happening too. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. If you are really strong and you really are suspicious of the timeline, I would try to remove myself from the situation for a few weeks and be like, you need to figure this out. You know, he needs to take the paternity test. He needs to figure out what's happening because there's nothing worse than getting into a relationship with your partner and a crazy ex. And uh, you know what I mean? It's like, and then all of your conversations are about this person and it starts to almost become like this unhealthy threesome situation where it's like the other person is always present in the relationship. Right. Um my, I'm having an issue with the guy that finds out he has a child and his only reaction is, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. Even yeah. though they yeah. had an agreement, even though they had an agreement, he, you know what? They had an agreement and he got screwed in that agreement, but there's still a kid out there. I think paternity test is the first thing to worry about. And the second thing is that you're dating a guy that's like, I don't give a fuck if I have some kid in some other country. I'm going to just yeah. keep playing video games. But maybe he was just saying that to, maybe he was being over emphatic so that the the writer the person who wrote in doesn't think that he is, is that's true you know unwavering in any way true true right. true but, st- but still but even that idea of like i don't care it is a weird tech to take because there's what we say um theoretically and what we feel in fact right so i get if you're somebody who's like i don't want kids we made a decision you know that about me well, now the situation has changed, and so you know, you're, then you're it's like to me, your person, because I do, I do know what you mean, Moshe. It's like, yeah, 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 we all agree we didn't want kids, but now you have a different situation, and right. what, who is the person you're going to be? Because what you're also, because mm. I think something like that does imply that this person, when shit goes sideways, they don't step up. And exactly. They may not step up in other aspects of life together. Exactly. Like with you. Yeah. I right. didn't want a sick I didn't want a sick wife either. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Oh I don't want anything to do with her. Bye. You know what it's like yeah. there's a lot of iterations of shirking responsibility that I hear from that comment. At the very least, five hundred dollars a fucking month check being sent to you know what I mean? At the least. That's that is literally the least you could do. So I'm sketched out. I'm a little confused. I also want to know what, what was said to the what, what was said to grandma. Like I want to know the whole thing because like to go up, to be like <laughs> I don't want to talk to you, but I am gonna call your mother. Does feel like it's like did y'all know each other longer than I think? Do mm-hmm. you know each other you know better than I think? Exactly, because you know? men have this skewed thing where they're like, oh, I only I only sent her flowers for Valentine's Day, and uh, you know, uh, sent her mother uh, some nice uh, messages and some you know, it's like. <laughs> They they sometimes don't quite get it. We're like, oh know? yeah, we hooked up for two years. It's like, right, right. Oh, hey, two years about a hookup. <laughs> well, absolutely. Moshe would disagree, but absolutely. <laughs> That's my longest relationship. Um, absolutely, I would say a paternity test. And if the if the woman says no to the paternity test, then you, then you can wash your hands. Once once somebody's saying no to a paternity test, you go, okay, well, let me know. <laughs> I will bet all my money that this is a grift. Yeah, I can I'm smell the grift. Right, but also our callers being like, I want to be a stepmom. And that's where I'm like, you know, that's why, you know, that other th- um, 
Sad. What you said too, Natasha, where you're like, maybe take a few weeks and let this person sort it out. Yes. You know, you've been, she, uh, she also says, we've been together exactly a year. You know, I don't know if y'all live together or not. You know what that looks like, where it's like, hey, I think I would like to know if this child is actually yours, because whether you want it to be or not, it does mean something. Because trust me, people show up on people's door. My mother works in a damn family court. People show up who said they didn't want anything to do with you and will knock on your door when a kid is seven saying, I need money, right? Because yep. circumstances change. So whatever you want is actually don't matter that much. We need to know where the stands because you don't know where it's going to go. And so you can say that to this person. And based on how they handle it, based on, you know, what the mm-hmm. situation is, then you can decide, you know, do you con- want to continue to be in this relationship? Mm. Yeah, I, I don't I, I don't like the, the 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 feel of what he's doing. Yeah, nobody. To be honest, this is nice because no one really is coming across as um, perfectly awesome here. <laughs> I would say not even the writer is coming across as a saint here. It's just like, oh, I love like, this writer, though, because I really love that she wrote. I am gobsmacked. <laughs> I live for a thesaurus moment. I love a thesaurus moment. (laughs) When like one word is not enough, but you're like, I'm mad. That's why I paused earlier because I was trying to think of another word for grift and scam. Flim flam. Oh yeah, that's flim flam. And I even take it back, actually, now that you mentioned how many different words she used for being surprised. Uh I she is okay, actually. She she's not being uh, Exactly. She's not being the the softest uh, person in this, but she doesn't have to be. She doesn't want the fucking kids. She's dating a guy for a year. It's, it's not. It's not that time. So so I take it back and I apologize. I'm actually got. I'm actually gobsmacked <laughs> at my own judgment. Uh huh. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm fully, <laughs> but I am yeah. flummoxed. Flummoxed. Thank you. I'm flummoxed. But okay. Last thing. I own the I again I'm betting my I'm betting my own skeleton on this that <laughs> that they are all being scammed yeah, by this I'm with you on that. Okay? Cuz what does she get who, out of it? Like money. Read, money. Oh, right. Well, he, he's not going to give her money without a paternity test, is he? Uh, somebody would. But this goes back but to But it right. happens. It's ha- I've I've heard other podcasts that's how Andy knows people where where like it's happened where they have scammed the person they did the person did not ask for a paternity test and then they got I got one right now okay right Uh, this person says hey you give me thirty thousand dollars I go away forever or we can do the paternity test find out for sure if it's your kid and then this kid and me are in your life forever I mean, there are many people out there that be like, "Here's the fucking money, please." But people leave don't have life. right the lump sum or the annuity. <laughs> yeah. They say lump sum, honey. But people <laughs> don't have thirty thousand dollars. Hey, somebody does. This guy got someone in a far off land that we don't know what land that is. Pregnant, he might he might be an international jet setter. It's rough. Use a condom. Okay, let's do one more. Do you do you want to do the voicemail? Sure. This is a little or more. You serious. tell me because you. Yeah, well, it's you, a little more serious. What do you? I'll. I'll Here's the here's the choice. Do you want a voicemail that's a little more serious, or do you want another one that's we got from a DM or something that's a little more on par with that's, this one? I mean, I want them We're both. But hey. Let's do the voicemail. Okay, voicemail. All right. Let's see where they're at. Let's see where they're at All emotionally. Right. I do love the voicemails as always, you guys. I tell you, call me. 323-524-7839. There's a three-minute limit. you got to keep it together. <laughs> All right. Here we go. This is less than three minutes. This is a good one, yeah. Hi, Andy and Naomi and esteemed guest. Um, I called earlier, and um, I'm not calling to be, like, annoying, I promise. Um, but uh, I don't have another outlet for this, so I figured I'd 
just give you guys a call again and give you an update, even if you don't play my message. Um, I am married to a man whom I love, and I am myself a man. Um, I say that with a little hesitation as I'm sort of uncovering my uh, non-binary identity, but um, that's none of what is bothering me right now. Um, (laughs) I am very depressed, and I feel bad for bringing that to my husband um, and not giving him space to be happy when he's happy. Um, I feel like I'm always a downer. I feel like I am, um, you know, um, just bringing the room down constantly. Um, and it's gotten worse. And um, like, I, everything is going really well for us, all things considered. Um, but nothing is, um, nothing feels good. And I come home from work and I'm just like a downer and I don't know how to give my husband space to be happy and to have happy thoughts. And I want to make clear that he is not pressuring me to do this. He is lovely and he's very supportive and um, I want to be nice to him and, do something like not be constantly sad all the time around him. And so help please. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, I'll be listening and I appreciate you all. Even the mystery guests who I don't know. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> well, you got good guests this time. Motion and Tasha get into it. Tell me you got thoughts. I just got to say, I, first of all, my gut instinct, this is a grift. This is flim flam. <laughs> this is not. <laughs> you a damn um, no, I, well, I will say like whenever people call about being depressed, I do feel like I'm giving advice from someone who's never really had real depression. So, you know, I, I do. Hmm. Wow. Stop. Bragging. Well, cause I, I feel depressed now too, but I also feel like I am able to, try to find some kind of spiritual practice or, you know, like like finding these simple practices, like not even like right now, like I'm always, I feel like I'm my daughter's bitch right now. Like anything she wants, I'm like, okay, okay. So like as a practice, almost like as a spiritual practice, I'm trying to tell her no, even though that's not my instinct, I don't want to do it, but I'm just like making myself do it because I don't want her to be a brat. And I am seeing that like, Long term, Moshe has got me to see that long term, that is not good to have someone like always be doing whatever they want. So like I'm going against my instincts. So I guess what I'm trying to get to is, is there a way for him to go like fight some of these instincts to bring the house down and almost as like a spiritual practice, try to, um, I don't know what it would be, but like say yes, uh, you know, uh, yes, and go, uh, go po- opposite action. Op- oh, is that what it is? It's o- a lot of opposite action. That's well, no, what I'm saying. You're right. I'm like, another thing is like taking opposite action. Cause certainly when you played this one, I said, Oh, Andy, this for me. <laughs> Lord knows I'd be bringing the house down with the vibe. Okay. With the sleeping in the middle of the day. <laughs> That's actually, well, I will tell, say this. If you, when you, there are like long periods where you are depressed, I would say the sleeping during the day is a good time to where because then the vibe in the house is neutral. Right, right. It's almost my way. I honestly, a lot of my napping is both depression driven, but it also serves as a way to give us both privacy. 
if I go again, we're in an apartment. Like if I'm in the if I'm in the bedroom, it's like you kind of have the house to yourself. You can like do what you want. I'm not I can't hear. I'm not paying attention. I'm also asleep. So it's a little bit of a. It also kind of serves that privacy purpose. But I also think it is, you know. But I do say it's like I am someone like. Again, we do, Andy and I, I think I'm not a, well, I don't know, yeah, kind of a downer. You know, again, I've got a touch of comedy to it, so sometimes <laughs> I can get away with it a bit longer. I can get away with it a bit longer. Or you're like, I, I need to stream this but, TV show for my job, and then you can just, like, stay in bed for, like, two days kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, in a way, it's work. In a way, it's work, because I did do a beat sheet. Um, But I, you know, this is why I mean my obsession action, where it's like, okay, I totally know what it is to have that downer feeling. And then and this is what's so unfortunate sometimes about relationships, right? Your partner's the one who gets the real you, right? Cause I bet it, at work you put on a fake smile, you go with the flow so that when you get home, you no longer have the bandwidth for it, more faking. And that is what can be very hard. And that's why I think for instance, it is as you're saying, it's like yes. And or opposite action or simply like listening and saying stuff like, that sounds great for you, or I'm glad you're excited, or tell me more. I'm glad you're excited about that. <laughs> I'm not excited That's about anything. anything. Just like that all the time. But, oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad awesome. one of us is thriving. But something to, you know, or just being like, yeah, tell me more. You know, ways you can almost, so that you don't have to say too much if you don't have the energy to be, it's like, Tell me more about that thing, right? And listen actively and be in that. Or, you know, mirror the person you're with, right? And again, this is about, as you said, you your partner's not pressuring you. This is not about them being like, God, you're such a downer. It's you feeling like you want to give them some goodness. Because I also think, too, being a good partner will help you feel good. Again, I'm not saying cure for depression. Come on now. <laughs> but I'm saying it can give you some moments of levity and some feelings of, I am valuable, Look what I bring to this person. So it seems like that's what you're asking, right? How can I be a good partner even when I feel like shit? I, I also, I think that's that's really good. And I, and I also, being a good partner, and maybe this is too corny, but when I've been in the worst place in, in my life, which is usually like feeling like, you know, I have no career. Like this was like, you know, trying to like get something going for myself. And it was so hard. And I felt like very, like so much despair. What really helped me, and maybe this, if you're clinically depressed, this makes no sense. But like, just like writing out every night, I had like this journal of like my, like what I was grateful for. And, and something about writing out the things, even if it was just like that, that delicious meal that he made or my husband, my partner, and just even spending five minutes before bed, just like having your own little private journal of things you're grateful for. I started to find like each date I would come up with new things. And then what, what happens is throughout your day, you're like thinking of things like, Oh, that, that was good. That was good. And you kind of have a record of it. So I, I I really liked doing that. I, like I um I remember that I read that. No, that was before I met you. No, I read it. And it was to all the Jews, all the Jews and musicians I've known before. Um, <laughs> all the Jews I've loved before. Wait, oh wait, wait. to Netflix. What musicians? Are, what what kind of music are we talking? Are we talking like indie rock? Are we talking about like uh, clearly? Uh, what's the the place? Indie rock. River yeah. Phoenix. Hung the out? Viper Room. No, yeah. definitely. Yeah, Hollywood. Hollywood glam Viper rockers. Room. That's who she went for. No, definitely uh, uh, unsuccessful indie rock. Um, (laughs) all right I have some thoughts here and I do think I like every time you talk about depression it always has to be um given the caveat that let's assume this is what I was thinking let's assume that this person hasn't fully maxed out every single um 
uh, ability to do effort to fight the circumstances that they're in. So I because anytime you give advice to a depressed person, it can be like, well, that's an incredibly privileged thing to say because I can't take any of these actions because of the depression. So assuming assuming yeah, right. that there is more you can do, my thought was that the um, that the the framework of what this person is saying they need is actually sounding to me like a manifestation of the very depression that they're trying to fight against. It's still framing, I am the piece of shit that comes to my house and drains diarrhea all over this loving, awesome man. I bring yeah. awfulness to the house. Um, uh-oh, here we go. I, I bring... <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys, quick interlude by the beautiful child. I like heard sit right there foul. for a second. Okay, honey. Sit right there, one second, then you can say hi. We're, we're almost done. Hold on. No, no, no. What I was saying was the idea that the real problem is, is in fact, how awful of a partner you are to, to this perfect loving man mm. is just a manifestation of the very depression that you're fighting against. And as they say in AA, it's an inside job. Like, it's not, you, you don't need to get better so that you can be, I mean, I'm not saying you don't, because I'm sure that there is truth to what this person is saying, that they are a difficult partner because their depression can manifest and spill out into the family and become a negative uh, gray cloud over the family. But in reality, the best work you can do for yourself and for your partner and for your life is to go inside do what you what you can to treat the depression, medication, right. therapy, journaling, po- opposite action, all of these things, not so that you stop being such a, a terrible partner, but so that you can become a better person for yourself. You can mm. become a happier person. You can fight against the depression if that is something that you're capable of doing. To me, that's the advice. It's stop focusing on what a bad husband yeah. you're being and start focusing on where you want to be as a person for yourself. That's true. That's very, very true. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was good. That was worth. Yeah. A no, real. Be- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it's, if you're doing this for another person, it's mm. not going to last. It has to be something that you manifest. It has to be a desire, an existential want for yourself to be better and to be, and to have a better relationship with the world in general. Then, because if you're just doing it for this other person, it, th- there's just a limit. There's always a limit to whatever to whatever that is. Well, it's and so there's never a limit for your own existential growth and development. There's also just to that um sense of like it's attached to something. So how how um firm a foundation can it be? I think that and I think that's also true too, because like think about it. I know there are times, for instance, when we've gotten where I'll be like, I'm sorry, I'm such a piece of shit. And, <laughs> and it's like and you're always like you're like no, like, you know what I mean? Because it's like, no, that's not what I'm asking uh, for. A hundred percent. Like, me saying I'm sorry, I'm trash is not helpful either. A hundred percent. Yeah, in fact, I, as as the partner of someone who has depression, I don't want her yep. saying these things. I, because I don't see you like that. So when you say that stuff, it, it it's, it, don't vocalize it. Don't, it, whatever you're thinking in your head, don't vocalize it. Because that I think that and we're not saying repression. We're yes. saying don't fuel the fire. Right. It's saying meaning like don't you feel like shit. Don't walk around going I know I'm trash or I'm so terrible because I really would do it. Like I literally forgot to make an appointment for the dog and I said stupid bitch mm. and I meant <laughs> and like Andy was like no he was like he was like, like Naomi I, please I, yeah, don't it's, it's okay he's it's, like he's like that's not it it's okay you can make the appointment today. I say to Natasha when she says stuff like that about herself I say 
Oh, don't talk about that person like that. I really he, like her. He gets mad too. And and that actually really helps me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. And so I think that's what you mean too when we're saying like, don't talk about it. It's like, you know, don't give a lot of, and it's, tr- and again, this is part of that fake it till you make it what people say. Like, you know, we're doing some platitudes, but they're not platitudes as much as slogans, but like there is truth to it. And there are things, you know, and I do like something like a gratitude list. Maybe that's something you can do between work and home you know something that kind of gets you you know when you kind of get off the clock and you know you're about to come in and you have a partner who's gonna perhaps want some attention or at least to share with you how can you sort of pivot how can you get your brain in a different space for just an hour again we're not look everything we're saying is not like now you're good and you're fixed and i say this as somebody who is in the struggle with you as well but it can give you some moments of breathing room and calm and a sense that this is a process, and how I feel right now is not how well, I feel. Well, exactly. Right Depression is a liar. Depression is not telling you the truth. Your mind is not telling you the truth. Uh, and it is possible that you are maxed out and can't get better, but you can't trust the voice that's telling you that you're maxed out and can't get better. Mm, yes. There we go. Depression is there being grifted by your own brain. That's exactly right. It's trying to convince you. <laughs> you that knew it was a grift, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> it's trying to convince you that things are hopeless. And even if they are hopeless, it's still a lie. So you got to go find if it's possible. And I know it seems uh, like the voice is telling you that it's not finding the absolute outer limits of your ability to fight against it and to treat yourself and to heal that's what's going to make your relationship better. I think it's not figuring out how to, despite the fact that you're a piece of shit, conceal it and pretend to be a nice. I, mean, I think opposite action is actually good advice, but I think also healing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, Moshe, Natasha, Moshe, <laughs> Natasha. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. This was worth every second. I appreciate you taking the time coming in. You know, I want the honeymoon to be endless. And this was just Do we sound like comedians who think that we're therapists? I hope not. I mean, that's what they are. We're both, we're the same. Yeah, yeah that's what I am. That's I'm unlicensed. I say I'm unlicensed. I'm cheap, Ayanla. Okay? I am if you want some help. Alanya really helped me too. I mean, that's the thing. Like, self-help is helpful. Like, I didn't come up with the gratitude thing. Like, someone said it. But, like, it really, you got to try different stuff. And, like, I do think that it can help, especially, like, getting it out on paper yeah and And remember this note started he was like i don't know where else to go with this so we are doing it okay they said they wanted to talk and i i I, I have one last piece of advice for this person to cure your depression there is a small child in an unknown european land that needs a dad right now and i think you could be that dad you just fly there you reveal that you're the father and i think all the problems are going to be solved Yeah, you know what? There's nothing that uh, someone who is clinically depressed than a child more than introducing <laughs> and a child. And there's nothing that a small to. child who isn't sure who their parents are needs more than a clinically depressed parent. <laughs> it's perfect. Well, thank yeah. you guys for okay. having us. Well, let's just keep... happy Valentine's Day. Happy, happy Valentine's Day. Let's just keep going Day. on each other's podcast back and forth forever. I think it should be a, every, once a year. We meet on I this podcast, it. both podcasts. You know what I mean? It's like a year. We check in. We see where we're at. Natasha and I really popped off. Our friendship really took off I in January, it. y'all, because we had two long days together, and it was just like, we just hear Fox. And that was fun. It, well, it was fun. I felt like I got a new side of you. Well, you too. And let's have let's have a dinner, <laughs> had some parties soon. Yes, we'll do it. All right, you guys, we're going to make these plays off mic, okay? All right, sounds good. We'll Thank you for having us, guys. Okay, bye. bye. bye.
Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.